now the cleanest hour in podcasting with your host, Ralph Peterson. This is the Housekeepers Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housekeepers Podcast. Dare I say the cleanest hour in podcasting. I am so excited to have my friend Jonathan Lane on the show today. Jonathan, how you been, brother? I've been doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing really great. I just love these kind of interviews where, you know, we're right. You and I, we probably don't look it to the outsider, but we're brothers. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we kind of grew up in the same, we have a very similar story. We kind of grew up in the same kind of way in the same industry, really working hard and making a pretty good name for ourselves, which is, by the way, how I even got you on the show. Thanks. Because of your reputation. A lot of people like you. A lot of people think that you're pretty fantastic. And so I'm like, well, I want a fantastic guest on the show. I appreciate it. So, and I love your post. I love you. You know, you post a lot on um, LinkedIn and I'm a big fan. But thank you. I'm really excited about being here. Yes. Yeah, so let's get right into it. So right now you are the director of EVS, right? Yes, sir. And where is that? Where do you do that? I'm at Camden Clark Medical Center in Parkersburg, West Virginia. Oh, very cool. So it's HHS though, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, HHS. Uh, it's, uh, that- it's a management only account, but it's HHS. Yeah, but that, oh, oh management only. Oh. Yeah. Oh, maybe there might be a lot of people who don't know what that means. What it means is, (laughs) yeah, basically it's a contract service, a contract cleaning company, and they have multiple services. You can do like full service all the way down to just a management contract, which is right. Right. So yeah, that's really fantastic. So you said Virginia. Yes, sir. West Virginia. West Virginia. Oh, West Virginia. I love West Virginia. Have you, did you grow up there? Where'd you grow up? No. So I grew up in Mississippi. I was born in Mississippi and then I moved to Georgia for a while and then I moved back to Mississippi. So how, from the how south. long did how long did you live in Mississippi for the first time? So about six. And then we oh, moved okay. to uh Smyrna, Georgia, which is in Cobb County. Okay. And how long were you in Georgia? Until I was fourteen. So about eight oh, wow. years. Yeah, so you have a pretty good memory then of Georgia. Yeah. Cause I so it's similar with me. I grew up in well, kind of like all over Southern Massachusetts, you know, like uh, below Boston, Canton, Mansfield, Foxville, okay. that kind of, I know it means nothing to you. My point is that I lived until I was like 11, 12, 13. And you wouldn't, you know, I, mean, I just have a lot of memories from, <laughs> from that time, you know? And yeah. so then you went back to Mississippi. Yeah. I went back to Mississippi. And then how long did you stay in Mississippi? Well, I've been then? in Mississippi up until, up until two years ago. Oh, so you were, that's where you, did you move back to where you originally came from? No. So I moved back to a town called Durant, Mississippi. And then we when moved you were 14, Durant from Durant to McAdams, to McAdams, to Kosciuszko. Oh, so, so why were you moving back and forth? Well, I was living with my mom and we were just relocating. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And so what was growing up like? What's it uh, like it was nice. in the South? It was nice. You got to learn to appreciate a lot of what you didn't have and what you had. So, yeah, no, I appreciate that. So did you, you were 14. Did you work at all when you were a young kid? Yeah. So my first job was in EVS. When I was 16, I was a, a, a room buffer at, in the evening times. You were buffing at 16? Yeah. So my mom was a housekeeper. So that's how I got started in EVS. My mother was a housekeeper. Nice. Where did she uh, work? 
So it was a hospital in Kosciuszko called Montford Jones Memorial Hospital. Wow. In Kosciuszko, Mississippi, and she worked there. And so I ended up working up there for the summer. And then it went from a summer job to uh, every couple of days during the week after school and then on weekends. Wow. That's super impressive that you were running a buffer at 16. Yeah, I started off early. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, buffers are not, they can be a little intimidating. Yeah. Because they can be scary pieces of equipment. I know 40-year-olds who don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's a little nervous, apprehensive. You're like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to hold on to that thing. Yeah, as soon as they come on, like, they get real scared just because of the noise of it. Yeah, you learn it's all strategy and very little strength, right? Right. Obviously, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so your mom was a housekeeper. Did your mom do that her whole life? Like, what is she doing now? Uh, no, nah, well, my mom is deceased at the moment. So oh, I'm sorry to hear yeah. that. She uh, passed in 2012 with uh, breast cancer. So Stupid breast cancer. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. So I'm sorry to hear that. So that, but did she work as a housekeeper kind of like your whole life? No, she was a uh, housekeeper. Uh, she also went to school for nursing. Oh, but uh, cool. when she had me, she set out and she had to do what she had to do to make sure that I was taken care of. And I, me and then she had my brother also. So I have a younger brother. Oh, very cool. So just the two of you? Yeah, just the two of us. Oh, very nice. That's really awesome. I love that you, she got you into your first job and here you yeah. are, however many years later. Still doing it, still in yeah, the game. Yeah, well, I, I learned to have a passion for it, so that what kept me involved, and I developed a passion for doing what we do. So, yeah. So, what happened? What after high school? What did you do? Oh, uh, after high school, I went to college for an accounting business major. Ended up becoming a father, so I had to do what I had to do. How and, old uh, were you? How old were you when you became a father? Twenty-three. Oh, that's old. Yeah, no, uh, it's kind of <laughs> that's old. Listen to me. I um, <laughs> I had a, I had I became a father at the ripe old age of eighteen. I thought you were in competition with me. No, I oh, made no. the mistake <laughs> way earlier than you did. Way earlier, and I don't mean mistake. If uh, he's listening, <laughs> <laughs> no, twenty three. Okay, so you, yeah. so uh, you get pregnant at twenty three. No, I didn't get pregnant. My daughter, mom. I got you. I, 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 was, I was trying to, you know. Just, no, I got you. <laughs> yeah, so you got somebody pregnant at 23. And so then what happened? Then what did you do? Then I ended up working for a, a chicken plant, Tyson Foods in Carthage, Mississippi. What were you doing there? For, I was a line loader at first. Then I went from a line loader to a pallet jack driver. I don't know a what a line jack driver is. To a forklift driver. From forklift driver to a, Sir? What's a line loader? So a line loader, um, the birds come down the line from a conveyor belt and we load them up and then they get to cutting shoulders and dissecting the bird. As are they alive the when they come down the line? No, no, no. These are dead. Oh, oh okay. This section is called live hang. No, I wasn't prepared for that section. Oh. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get the whole picture here. Okay. Nah, I like the part that don't move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No question. No question. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Okay. So then you just kind of worked your way into being a forklift driver? Yeah, I became a forklift driver, got my certification. Then I became a cooler monitor where I monitor the coolers, make sure they were the right temperatures and things of that nature. Like doing make inspection? Make sure where it's supposed to be. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Then I went and over then- to sanitation, which was cleaning, back to cleaning. So I worked in sanitation also. At Tyson? Yes, sir. I have so many questions. Uh- <laughs> Ask away. <laughs> I know. I don't even know where to begin. So 
you didn't contract it out then. The sanitation was done by an in-house team. Yeah, it was part of Tyson. It was Tyson on sanitation crew. Okay, okay. And talk to me about the job routines. What's the sanit? Because I would imagine in food prep, and I know we have this problem in hospitals and nursing homes, and I know that you work in healthcare too, so you can relate to this. In food prep, it's not always easy to get food service workers to clean up after themselves, but I think that it's always the best way to go about it. Right. So, so is it, isn't um, that kind of what it's like at Tyson or no? Yeah. So in the section I worked in, I worked in a section called uh, D-Bone. It was the uh, coolers and chillers section. After the, at the end of the shift, we'll go in and wash everything down, remove all the grease and grime and filth and all that, and then we'll sanitize it with a cleaning solution. And make sure everything where it's supposed to be and flush out the pumps on a daily basis, just Mm -hmm. ensure the machines are clean and sanitized for the next day for the new birds to be ran through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could imagine there's an awful lot of grease and a lot of water. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you how you cleaned it. Was it hot water based? Basically, you're just in there with pressure washers a lot? Yeah, pressure washers. Our hose had pressure tips on it to allow us to get all the thick meat and everything off as we sanitized, and then we had a nice foam hose and everything. It was a hot environment. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like I... <laughs> a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I like, you know, we needed, we had a hose and uh, get all the meat off all the equipment. <laughs> yeah, we just get, <laughs> you don't hear that, get it done. <laughs> you don't hear that turn of phrase often enough. Oh, we cleaned <laughs> the chicken guts out of the hose feeder. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> we had to flush the pump system and all that, so... It was a good experience. Yeah, I bet. I bet. The only experience I have, and this is such a non-relatable experience, but I used to work in concrete. And in okay. concrete, we would pump concrete up into these big, you know, six-inch tubes. And we'd have to clean those out. It was a, such a pain, you know, to get all the concrete out of there. And then you have to run water through it out, you know, gallons right. and gallons <laughs> and gallons of water. It's not the same thing because it's not blood and guts, but. But it's a lot of labor, though. A lot of hands yeah. on. Yeah. A million percent. And so how long did you do that for? I worked at Tyson for, uh, I want to say, six years. Sounds like a good company to work for. Yeah. It was real good. Yeah. Real I nice bet. company. Yeah, I bet. They seem to be, you know, what can you, I guess the answer is, I'm going to answer my own question. I'm going to ask you a question. I know the answer, I think. And that is, you know, what is an image of a company? And I think that's everything, right? The image of a company is everything, which is why cleaning is so important. We'll plug for the cleaning industry. (laughs) How long did you do the cleaning aspect of the six years? I did it for two years. Oh, for a couple of years, yeah. For about two years. Yeah. Because in the time of me me working in sanitation, I worked in uh, Jackson, also Jackson, Mississippi, which was like 45 minutes to an hour away. So. I thought they ran three shifts. Is that not accurate? Yeah, they, they have three shifts. Oh, they do. So how would you clean then? Would they shut down certain so parts we'll of it? So we clean at the end of the second shift. So How around time did 11 they o'clock, something like that. 8 to 11 o'clock, we'll go in and clean. Oh, so only four hours? Yeah, it was only four hours. Oh. Yeah, it was four hours of continuous work, nonstop. Yeah, 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 because you got to get the lines back up and running yeah. by midnight, right? Got to so. get them clean, got to get them flushed out, make sure the pumps are running properly. Hmm. Everything's put back together after you break it down. And they only have to do that after once a day? They don't have to do it after every No, no, so they do it after every major shift. Ah, got it. Got it. That would make more sense. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Fascinating. 
cleaning up after. Ch- I <laughs> I heard a interview with I can't his name is escaping me, but he worked for Tyson. Maybe it wasn't Tyson, but he worked for a meat packing plant. But they were doing hogs. Oh, okay. And he just had the worst stories. Like yeah. it was just. So, so also while I was working at Tyson, I learned where the uh, pottage meat, how it, how it started also. So I used to work. I used to be a machine operator also. What did you do? So I ran the machine. I mixed the flavors for the pottage meat. So all the bones and everything come down the conveyor belt and it grinds it up and they utilize it. So. And what are they feeding with pottage meat? Wait, it's a little meat. I guess it's called pottage meat. It's in a little can in the store. What you eat with the crackers? And bone is what? <laughs> no. <laughs> Housekeepers podcast. Uh, <laughs> just need to do a reset. What not to eat out of a can? Okay, yeah. so yeah, that's fantastic. So what did you do after that? What? what um, did you do? So while I was still working. And sanitation at Tyson. I also worked in Jackson. That's where I got my first start at HHS at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Oh, so you took a part-time job? Two jobs at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. With the hour commute in between. Mm -hmm. Right, Jerry. Spam. That's what uh, Jerry says. Is that what it is? Spam? That's uh, ground up in the can? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Okay, well. All right. Uh, here's the worst part about knowing that I love spam. <laughs> so spam and eggs, sign me up. Uh, I'm a big fan. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's very popular in Hawaii too. I, okay. I, I have no idea why, but yummy. I hate it in a while though. Yeah, yummy. So you were doing two jobs. Yeah, two jobs. Yeah, good for you. I have a friend who owns a cleaning company in Louisville, and he was saying that he we're talking about staffing and he goes, I never try to hire people off the couch. I try to hire people who are already working because those are the ones who, you know, to your point, right? Like just get a second job, get a third job, whatever. Yeah. Get a weekend job on top of your second job, you know, (laughs) whatever it takes. (laughs) Right. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. Sorry. So that's how you started working for them as a floor tech. Yeah. I started working for them as a floor tech uh, in 2010. And what was the facility? Was it a hospital? Yeah, it's a hospital, yeah, University of Mississippi Medical Center. It's hard to do floor care at night in a nursing home. It's hard Never to do floor care. Yeah, it's hard to do floor care. Well, only because and there's a lot of people that do it. It's just, you know, 80% of your, this is the difference between a nursing home and a hospital. Mm-hmm. A hospital, you probably, I don't want to exaggerate what, maybe 40% of your entire layout or your entire footprint in a hospital has actual patients on it at one time. So I mean, 60% of it can be cleaned overnight, common areas, you know, rehab, x-ray, MOB, right? Like all of those places can be cleaned after hours pretty easily. Yeah. In a nursing home, the non-patient area is like 15%. So it's, you know what I mean? Like it's super small, meaning if you're going to do any type of floor care, you are doing it in resident areas. And that's why it's, yeah, that's why it's super hard to get floor care done at night. I know there are people who do it, but I don't know how successful they are. Typically in floor care, it's never a good time. It's always a bad time to do it. It's never a great time because 
the time you think you have the time to do it, somebody always got something going on. So typically you try to work with the customer to make sure it's a good time so that way you can schedule and get things squared away. Yeah, I agree. I The challenge is, I think, from a business point of view, not saying anything else, just from a business point of view, mm-hmm. there's nothing more important than cleaning floors. Right. Nothing. It sets the tone of the environment. Yeah, floor care is everything. Yeah. I would say odor as well. So floor care and odor. Right. You could have shiny floors, but if it smells like crap. Right. Cleaning <laughs> uh, <laughs> smell is where you want to go. People are, point. <laughs> people are not going to compliment your shiny floors if it smells bad. <laughs> <laughs> or if it does, there'll be a short compliment, then they go to the smell and stick with it. So it no won't last too long. Question. No question. And so you went started. So you've been working for HH, HHS for a long time then. Yeah, for 11 years. Wow, good for you. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I never worked for them. I, don't, I did work for a contract cleaning company for a long time myself. But I've done a lot of research on HHS. They seem like a really great company as well. Yeah, great be. company, great leaders. Scott Alexander, Bobby Floyd, that's a bunch of great leaders. Uh, a lot of great people to learn from. Yeah, that's really fantastic. And so that is that where you first started to get into a leadership position? No, so I first started getting into a leadership position further on down the road. What I do got you mean? into my first leadership position with uh, ABM. I worked for ABM also. Nice. So I work for ABM and Crothall. Oh, my God. Look at you. You've been working for everybody. <laughs> Holy moly. Yeah. At the time I worked for them, I was still working for HHS as well. So, Yeah. Wow. That's really fantastic, too. I'm a big fan of both of those companies. Crothall is like a huge healthcare care servicer, like hospitals, like thousand bed yeah. hospitals. They take on some massive. I have a friend who, you know, I'm a cleaning strategist. So I'm right in thick of it when it comes to job routines and, you know, the start here and there, you know, annual calendars, that kind of thing. Operations guy. Yeah, (laughs) completely. And I remember a friend of mine was looking at some of the facility maps I was working with. And again, I spent a lot of time in long-term care and senior care assisted living. And he looked at my map and it was like a 350 bed building and he scoffed at me. You know, he's like, that's a little tiny little building. Holy. <laughs> What's taking you so long? I'm like, you know, 350 beds is pretty big for a nursing home. Well, I guess, you know, <laughs> he just spent the weekend, you know, staffing a 2000 bed hospital. I'm like, all oh, right. Wow. All right. You know, <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> it's different enough and the same enough to where if you know one, you get pretty good at the other, you know, right. Not that terrible. Routine. Yeah. Yeah. So, ABM. So when did you go to work for ABM? Uh, I worked for ABM in 2014 to 16, I believe. So what did you do for them? Where, where... Uh, I was a operations manager. Yeah, but what were you cleaning? What were you in charge of? So I was, do everything. A, I was in charge of the PM shift, uh, working with the PM shift. I was managing PM shift. What were you cleaning? I was in, at the hospital, the university. Oh, it was a hospital too? Yeah, it was oh, a hospital. Oh. Yeah. Oh, because oh, oh, ABM, they clean everything. You can never yeah, tell with ABM. You could yeah, be in so a factory. I was working at the hospital for them. You could be at the airport. I mean, they are truly <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, they got a lot of airport business. Yeah, they got a lot of airports. Where Crothall is, I think, basically hospitals. I don't think that they do. Do they do stadiums and that kind of stuff? Maybe they do. I'm not sure. The uh, environment I worked in for them was a hospital also. Yeah, I kind of feel like they only do hospitals. Very large hospitals. Like their yeah. niches, like you wouldn't find them in a 
you know, a small regional hospital, you know, like right. an acute care, you know, 25 bed or a hundred bed. Right. I don't think it, it has to be pretty big for them. So that's really awesome. So why, how did you get the position to be the operations guy, like the manager? So there was a name, Gary. He was the manager over the, one of the managers over the department. And he asked me, have I ever thought about being in a leadership role? And I told him, yeah, I thought about it, but it hadn't been offered to me. He's like, well, I'm offering it to you. And so it went from there. He offered it to me. I accept. And it went from there. How long have what year was this? So you started uh, 2014. Working. So it kept four years later. Yeah. Right. So how long were you with it? I'm just a little trying to get my timeline right. So you were at both Tyson and HHS at the same time. Yeah. And then you went to work for ABM. Yes, sir. Okay. So then you only worked for ABM at that time. No, sir. Oh, what are you? I was a regional project tech for um, HHS. So I went from a room buffer to a project tech, and I was still doing projects for HHS. I never left HHS throughout my career. I was always with HHS. Well, that says an awful lot about HHS. Yeah. Right? It's a great company to work for. And I have a friend, my buddy Adam, he lives in New Hampshire, and he fantasizes about the idea of having project teams go around and just do floor care, stripping and refinishing and stuff. Uh-huh. Is that what you're saying you're doing? Yeah. I'm going to have to send him a note, let him know that he can go down to, where was this, Mississippi? <laughs> yeah, Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> he has been arguing for years, we need a floating project team. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think he runs something like, I don't know, 12 or 14 nursing homes, the housekeeping department. And you know, with staffing and, yeah. and traffic, and it would just give anything for a project team that right. just went around and did projects for <laughs> Take care of everything. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think he would really do anything for that. So that's pretty funny that you <laughs> – it does <laughs> exist because I'm like, that doesn't exist. He's like, it's got to. Uh, yeah. I guess it exists. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, so I did projects, and I managed also at the same time. That's really fantastic. So did ABM have, do they have like a management training program at all? Like how did you learn how to become a manager? Well, yeah, a lot of hands-on uh, on site and they have a management program also. But I learned a lot from management just from watching other managers as I was coming up through HHS and with Crawthaw and with ABM also. Just paying attention, studying everything and wanting to do better rather than just their floor tech. So I had ambitions to become better than what I was. That is so great. Do you have any, do you remember like anything that you thought about management that once you became a manager, you figured out wasn't like when I, I, the only reason I asked is because when I was an assistant manager, so I got like the assistant manager nod. I thought my manager was an idiot. I thought (laughs) every, I'm serious. I thought he would make the decision to go right. I was like, man, if I was in charge, I'd go left. I mean, he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. If he's like, hey, we're going to go upstairs first, I'd be like, oh, how stupid is that? I totally would have started downstairs. Like, For whatever reason, I just felt like this opposite thing. Yeah. And then I became the manager, and I was like, oh, yeah, going, <laughs> going right was the idea. Oh, yeah, starting up. Yeah, that would have made more sense. You know, Did you have any of that? Well, I think my biggest aim was the adjustment from a team member, from an outlet team member to a management standpoint and knowing the difference. So, You mean kind of like? Today, they're all your peers and coworkers right. and friends. Right. And so it was learning to separate the two and understand was, my role 
for the position I had accepted. Because, mm. you know, what? that can be a, a harsh thing at times, you know, when you get to manage your peers and then it becomes a whole different environment. So uh, yeah. that was the biggest adjustment for me on that part, learning that aspect. Did you did you have any situation where was it? Let me just ask it this way, because I've seen it both ways. And in fact, I've done it both ways where one where I got called out by other staff mm -hmm. that I was given favoritism to my friends. And it turns out I was. I didn't mean to. Right. I didn't think I was. I mean, if you had asked me if I was, I would have been like, no, I wouldn't. Have, you know. But then they're like, well, look at it. What is this? I was like, oh, I guess yeah. I am. You know, <laughs> and honestly, nobody believes me to this day, but I truly didn't do it on purpose. Right. You know, but I so, was. Yeah, it's, it's a learning curve in it. You know, you got to learn to pay attention and want to do better and yeah. make things better. So, And then I had the other situation where my so-called air quote friends right. would be like, I thought we were friends. Huh? You can't let me off this one thing. You're going to write me up or you're going to talk to me like that. Or, you know what I mean? Like they all of a sudden were. Yeah, the accountability piece. They didn't want to be held accountable for theirs, but they want everybody else to be held accountable. Yeah. They're not on that road. Yeah, so that happened to you too. Yeah, been down that road. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Super but hard. One thing I learned is they were your true friends and they'd accept your position and the things that you're doing and be there with you and support you. So Yeah, you know, there's a you I'm sure you've heard the whole old adage that it's business, not personal. Right. And boy, I would have said that too had I not been a manager. Everything was personal. <laughs> Every attack they made was personal. You know, the way I took it was, per you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if there's one thing that staff members have and they do a really good job of showing you is a mirror. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, you know what you look like. You know, it doesn't you take like. long at all. <laughs> it doesn't take long before you go, oh my gosh, you guys are brutal. Like, yeah. <laughs> I always took your side when we were in the break room talking about how the manager was this, how the manager was that, but I don't know if it's them. I think it might be you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny about that is, you know, like I said, I thought my manager was an idiot. I've been fired a handful of times. It doesn't sound like you've ever been fired, but I've been fired a handful of times. And every time I had been fired, and I'm not talking about at just that time, I mean, for years afterward, it's way too long, by the way, I always just looked for, you know, somebody said, well, what happened? I'm like, oh, that guy was unreasonable or, oh, that guy, you know, he, he yelled at me or that guy embarrassed me or whatever. Yeah. Every time I was saying it was their fault and the Little whole time, <laughs> it, was a, it was always me. It was always me. Yeah. Housekeepers podcast. This is confession time. <laughs> You can say it now because it's years after. <laughs> you know, I it's true. It's true. You know, the the right. uh, time and distance and, you know, a little bit of reflection. And you're like, good Lord, did I suck as an employee? I yeah. really did. I really did. That was a hard case. Well, I've always tried to make sure I did my part the best way I could because that way it eliminate any issues like that. So. I was big on um, holding myself accountable just as well as I would anybody else. So. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I think that it's – here's something that nobody ever likes to say out loud, but I'm going to go ahead and say it out loud. You're better than everybody else. 
And the only reason why I know that is because you're in a position of leadership. And try as we might, we simply don't promote the worst of us. We only promote the best of us. Sure. Right? We don't go and go, hey, um, we need a new manager to step into the role. Like, oh, you know who would be really great is this woman. She's not here <laughs> today because she called out again. But if she could get here on time, she'd be a really great manager. You know what's funny, actually? I actually had somebody say that. It was a district manager who was just a bear, just really a challenge to work for, this district manager. And this guy was promoting him to a regional manager. And I was like, <laughs> you know, that doesn't make any sense. And I swear he said, well, I know, he's not a, I know he's not a good district manager, but I think he'd be a pretty good regional manager. How does that make any <laughs> sense? He did not make a good regional manager. That's oh, wow. his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> The train continued. <laughs> it did not work out in a, it did not end well, but there have been but times when people can, have said You can that. never say he was never given an opportunity. So. A million percent, a million percent. So how long now have you been in a leadership role? For seven years. Seven. Holy heck. Yeah. Very nice. And you work in third shift, second shift. What is it? First shift. First shift in a hospital. But I manage all the shifts. If I need to, you know, I go in and work with shift as needed to help, out, help the team out. And make sure things are squared away. That is you know, so I don't expect great. the team to do nothing that I wouldn't do. So I work right along right alongside the team to make sure everything's taken care of. Yeah, that's really smart. I um how many employees do you have? How many people are how many shifts do you guys run? Not oh, we run now, three shifts. Three shifts. Do you guys do transportation, security, cleaning? Uh, do you no, do we all just, that? Um we just do EVS, EVS oh, station. Okay. All the hospitals I've worked in, we always got sidled with transportation and security. I mean, so. we help out where we need to. Yeah. Because we're part of the hospital also. But we mainly handle the EVS section. Yeah. I and said sidled. Sidled's not a good word, but that's kind of how we felt. We always feel like we got. <laughs> it's, a team, it's a team effort. <laughs> as it should be. Somebody else, no. Yeah, as it should be. As it should be. <laughs> so, how many people do you have working for you? How many. Cleaners so I, have. I have two ADs and uh, we have 63 team members. Very cool. So. I have a friend who is running a hospital right now and she's got like 22 openings, FTE openings. Yeah. People these days just don't want to work. It's hard. It's crazy to have that many openings. <laughs> you have 22 open full-time positions. That's a lot. Are you guys feeling it as well down there? The whole staffing crisis yeah it's a little bit everywhere but we're good we're managing it and the team is working good to make sure things are taken care of so that's good you know what i grew up like i said i grew up in massachusetts but only till i was like 11 12 years old and then we moved to vermont which is an interesting place to grow up a great place to grow up but the hospital system that's right by my house where i kind of grew up around there's a hospital there and one of the employee benefits, you're going to love this. One of the employee benefits that all the employees of the hospital get is they get a the hospital rate, which is super cheap, on heating fuel. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you get like, you know, when the going rate is a, you know, $1.98, you're going to get it for $1.30 or whatever because you get oh, a hospital nice. rate. Because the they hospital buys so much. <laughs> It's pretty cool Thanks though, right? With the jobs. Yeah, Thanks that's that's really cool. Because I remember 
knocking on their door and, you know, trying to see if they wanted to outsource. And, you know, because I was working for a contract service company and, and they're like, I don't think you could ever, because we always match benefits. You know, we'll just come in and sign, yeah. what is it called? Like a me too agreement, whatever you agree to already, we'll just put in place. Right. And they're like, you won't be able to match this. And they pull out this whole <laughs> fuel assistance, basically. I was like, yeah, I don't know how we'd swing that. That's, that's a pretty, I'm almost, are you, are you taking applications? Could choose to. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't look at those little bonuses. They actually add up. And they are, that's an amazing bonus. You know, yeah. that's, it's right up there with childcare. If somebody offers childcare as a, as a place of business. You better lose your attitude, friend. You right. have that broom. Let's go. Childcare is expensive. <laughs> expensive, you know. If you find an employer that's providing childcare, you do what it takes. To get yeah. A lot of people look at it, if it don't come to their paycheck, then they don't look at it as a bonus. So. Yeah. You know what? I like that too. I really do. I have a friend who owns a couple of nursing homes in New Jersey. Okay. And he was having a lot of trouble getting people to come in. This is before COVID. So, right. you know, peace and love with all these call outs and everything. I've been dealing with call outs my entire <laughs> life. No call, no shows. I didn't even know what a no call, no show was until I started working in healthcare. <laughs> even when I, even when, because I started working in housekeeping when I was in high school, just okay. like you, I started cleaning the school. So okay. I was working as a janitor over the summer between my eighth and ninth year. And then I started working part time at night and doing some stuff. But and then cleaning condos and then cleaning houses and, you know, hotels. Never. I never heard of a no call, no show. I just never heard of it. The idea that nobody shows up or doesn't call and then shows up the day later, two days later, as if nothing right. happened. That's <laughs> that's the part, right? I mean, people quit, of course. They just no call, yeah. no show forever. That's I used to wonder how they even get by without even coming to work. Like without I, even, yeah. like, how do your bills are paid and you don't show up to work? Like That was the amazing part to me. It's <laughs> how are you living? <laughs> I wonder if, yeah, because I don't have that answer, but I that really is the question. How, yeah, how can you a, afford? A, yeah, how can you afford to still maintain what you have and you don't show up? Yeah, yeah, because everybody is short staffed. I have restaurants around me, I live in New York. Okay, and there are restaurants with signs that say, we can only see, you know, no parties bigger than a six or an eight because we don't have any staff and your right. wait's going to be longer and please anticipate longer wait times longer. Look, you know, we don't have any staff to the tune of, you know, you're just going, wait a minute, how many thousands and thousands and thousands of people are not working? What are they doing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nobody wants to share their secret. <laughs> it's got to be a secret. I don't, is everybody doubling up or? And this might be, I have no idea if this is the case, but, or is it, are the wages so high now? Are the wages so high that people simply don't need to work more than one or two days a week and they can get by by? I don't think they're that high. <laughs> I don't, what is it then? I don't I know. I haven't seen a wage like that. <laughs> Up here in New York, the minimum wage is $15 an hour. Yeah, and it's still hard to get people to come to work. Can't you know, when anybody. I first started working, I think I was making six or seven dollars an hour. So I was first started working, I was getting three dollars an hour, and I would run to work because I was so scared of be getting fired if I was late. You know? Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, you can pay a guy thirty dollars an hour, and he'll give you an attitude if you get on him for showing up late. Right. Or if you ask him to do something extra. 
Desmond oh Tain's his God. job, dude. <laughs> I, that's not my job. For thirty dollars an hour, I think your job is whatever the heck I ask you to do. Yeah, you have a lot to do. <laughs> I mean, good lord, what am I asking you to be unreasonable? I'm not asking anything unreasonable. I'm not asking illegal. Right. <laughs> we start at seven. That's you know. Can we start there? Can we just get yeah. to work on time? Yeah. Sounds well, times were different then than they are now. So. Yeah, I wonder. You know, I have a so. That's funny you say that because I wrote a book called Congratulations, Now Get Over Yourself. And it's a fun book. And uh, and I dedicated it to my first like real boss. I had a bunch of like, you know, part-time jobs and whatever before him. Mm-hmm. But my first full-time real job working construction. And I worked for him for like six years. In the entire six years, he hated me. And oh, wow. he was not shy about showing how much he hated me. Like he just simply treated me terribly, <laughs> yelled at me constantly. I could never do anything right. Never. He told me to run, go to the go to the right. I'd run to the right, and I didn't go fast enough, or I went too <laughs> fast. But you know what I mean? Like, I didn't carry enough things, you know. Like he just always, and I always felt like he was beating me up the whole time, right? I always felt like he was just like this axe to grind. Then he's in a nursing home, you know. So thirty years later, or whatever, he's in a mm-hmm. nursing home. He broke a hip, fell, and I work, of course, in that nursing home. <laughs> so I'm running a bunch of nursing homes, including that one that he's in. And I hear that he's there. So I go over and I sit down and like, hey, how you doing? Just want to check in on you. And he's like, oh, Ralph, I haven't seen you. Blah, blah, blah. We're sitting there and we're watching. We're just sitting out in the hallway in the front lobby of this nursing home. And he starts talking about the nurses. And he's like, look at these lazy people. Look at this. And, and I was like, and I'm right there with him, you know, because I'm finally on his side, right? I'm like, yeah, these lazy SOBs, this, these lazy SOBs like that. And he looks at me and goes, you know, you were the same way. <laughs> I was like, I was? He goes, yeah. And that's when it dawned on me. It wasn't that he didn't like me. It wasn't that he was a jerk. He was running a construction crew full of 18, 19, and 20-year-old attitudes. You know, every one of us thought we were bigger, badder, smarter. Right. He had no choice but to treat, you know, but to have a, you know, a firm stick and not be yeah. afraid to swing that sucker around. Cause we'd still be on that construction site if it was up to us, <laughs> you know, 30 years later, we'd still be trying to put that gym together, whatever the heck it was we were building. <laughs> well, at least you found out then that he was still the same way. Nothing changed. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. So that's, I guess that's my point too, Jonathan, is that what he showed me right there in that, 10 minute conversation is the employees didn't change. The managers did. Yeah. The managers are the ones who got tolerable. Managers are the ones who got soft. The managers are the ones who start. The managers are the ones who say, that's not my job. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Oh, this place can kiss my whatever. You know, like that's management speak. That's not employee speak. Sure. Some employees speak that way. I'm not saying they don't. But when the manager says it, ten times worse. Yeah, ten if times. You're driving worse. the wrong energy towards the staff members. And I have worked with, gosh, thousands of managers, thousands of managers. And I got to tell you, it is rampant out there. How quickly they go from being very sweet and kind to very rude and condescending yeah. and not my job, and you know, want to burn the place down, and like what? Happen? Yeah. What? Wait a minute. <laughs> How do we get here? You know. <laughs> it's a little, but you got to be willing to 
be able to deliver what you ask. So, yeah. So, how do you like? You must be seven years in. You're liking this whole management. Oh yeah, gig. I love every bit of it. I what are you going to do next? It. Are you going to? Are you looking to get even further up the chain? Yeah, my biggest thing is growth. I'm big on growing, so that's yeah. what got me here, willing to grow and learn and continue to move forward. So good for you. I remember when I got promoted to a district manager to where I was having to hire managers. Okay. And whew, talk about changing your whole game. <laughs> because, you know, number one, I had a terrible time doing it. I had a terrible time trying to find, you know, the whole, hey, uh, find your replacement. We're going to promote you. You may yeah. as well have fired me because I could not find my replacement to save my life. Could yeah, you want to find the right person, just don't want to put anybody. I remember I just heard this story about this special forces school. This, uh, I think it was Navy SEAL school. And all these Navy SEALs were who had gone through the training and then they went back and they became the trainer. Mm-hmm. And they were like, this course isn't hard enough. Everybody got very soft. These guys aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. We need to, you know, increase the standards and they've got to run faster and do more and pick up heavier stuff, like all this stuff. And the commanding officer said, yeah, so let's just sit down and map it out. Like, what do you guys think the new standards should be? And then they wrote them all out and they're way harsher than they Mm -hmm. currently are. And then that commanding officer said, all right, so I have here a copy of all of your scores when you went through the school. (laughs) So let's look at them. And they weren't even close. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like they're, you know, you know what I mean? Like you lose the ability to reflect accurately. Right. And so when you move up, you're kind of like, you know, everybody behind you is lazy. You know, you were 10 times better at their age. And and the truth is not always that way. Yeah. Not always that way. And I had the toughest time hiring a new manager. Toughest. Did you ever find one? Yeah. I ended up having to start. I didn't find one. I found potential. Well, let me see here. I'm going to try to do the math. Uh, One, two. Three, four. I think I hired like six or seven managers to take my place before I finally took a manager that already that I already had and paid him to move. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) Because because I could not like everybody looks, you know, you never know. You never know. Heck, if somebody even just says, Hey, I'm willing to be responsible. I would love to learn what it takes to be in charge. I get super excited. But the truth is seven out of 10 of them fail in the first 90 days. And usually by fail, I mean, it's epic. You know, it's a big crash and burn and like, what happened? I mean, I, (laughs) I have had everything. I've had managers that I recently hired. I've had them get arrested. I've had them come to work drunk. I've had them stealing. I had somebody commit suicide. Like what? is happening here like i thought i was losing my mind i was like huh what wait he did what (laughs) she's on video for a what you know (laughs) sounds like some interesting times (laughs) i had a poor girl get fired they made me fire her because she stole 15 cents off a maintenance cart oh that's terrible and they had her on film she went up to the so the maintenance cart was by the vending machine. She went to the vending machine. And you could see her putting her money in. 
looking for a part. She didn't have the, enough. She did missing 15 cents. She looked on the cart. There was 15 cents on the cart. She put it in. They made me fire her. Because stealing is stealing. I don't know what it is. I don't, even to this day, that was 20 years ago. I still don't think stealing is stealing. When it's 15 cents on a maintenance cart by the <laughs> vending machine. And she wanted a beverage. <laughs> I don't know. Housekeepers podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you had have you have you had any of that stuff? Have you had like no, had well, I, when I was out of the team member, I had a a coworker, they ended up getting a dollar that wasn't theirs. And so it ended up in a similar similar ending. So even a dollar. Even a yeah. dollar is yeah, but if you needed that bag, all you gotta do is just ask. Still, though, you gotta look at the aspect of there's still a dollar fifteen cents. They'll take anything. So I get that's the point they'd be making about that. So no, I I know I just don't agree. I don't think that uh, I don't know that I agree that fifteen cents leads to a bigger crime down the road. It's, I guess it just depends on the individual. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. We it, like to give people benefit of the doubt, but. It's getting worse and worse out there. Like people yeah. aren't willing to let people make mistakes anymore. Yeah. You know? Not me. I am. I thank God people, you know, oversaw my shortcomings. Good Lord. You can imagine. Like I said, I got fired five times. Not because I was, you know, the best employee and my manager sucked. Nope. The opposite. Managers are pretty good, actually. They probably tolerated me longer than they should. <laughs> <laughs> they were willing to work with you. <laughs> willing to work with me. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is either. I don't know what it is either. I love being in charge. I love teams. I love inspiring. I love teaching. I yeah. love getting people motivated. I love problem solving. I think that's the part that made me want to become a manager. You know, coming from my other team member, seeing how other team members were treated and just being able to train and show things the right way. You know, I, I enjoy showing people how to do things the right way, whether it's floor care, daily cleanings, anything. If somebody learns and they master it, I win. So, because if I win, they win. We win together. So, I like that a lot too. And I think that one of the clearly one of the greatest things about managers is we have the ability to inspire people. We have the ability right. to put people in positions to win. For you know, better or worse, we get to wear the cape. Yeah, I love wearing a cape. I don't actually have one. I need one. I <laughs> What color would you get? <laughs> I, I'd get red, of course. I'm a Superman fan. What's the matter with you? How dare you? <laughs> what color would you get? I get a blue one. Yeah, blue. I can see you in a blue. Yeah, game. I get a blue one. I think it's one of the most noble positions in the world. The idea that somebody at some point, at any time, is willing to say, "I'll be responsible for others," yeah, is pretty great. Says a lot about everybody who does it. So good for you. Thank you. So what Thank is you. the structure like with HHS? Do they have district managers and then regional managers? Is that kind of how it goes? Yeah. So we have VPs, EVPs, presidents, vice presidents. So, you know. So what is your – what's the next job for you? Like what would be the next step up? Uh, vice president. Oh, nice. So what are you going to do to get it? Senior director role somewhere at a location. That would be one also. Ah, so what are you going to do? Be patient. Continue to learn and wait for my turn. <laughs> Hate being patient. Love, love the it. learning part and don't want to <laughs> wait my turn. Patience <laughs> is what got me here. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I really do. I'm a big fan. I started 
I got mixed up with the wrong group, a wrong guy at one point in my career. And it was, thank God, it was pretty early on in my career, like a few years in, mm-hmm. I was working for a contract cleaning company and I started hanging out with a guy who was always complaining, always saying no, always everything was stupid, everything sucked, you know, that kind of guy. And I remember getting caught up in it and somebody saying, pulling me aside and going, you know, you're acting like him a lot and nobody really likes him because all he is is negative and knows. So you, you got to cut that out. And I remember just making the decision that I was going to be the yes guy. I'm not going to say no to anything anymore. I'm not going to be the guy who complains. I'm not going to be the guy who right. runs down the company. I'm just going to start saying yes. Man, I start saying yes to things, volunteering for whatever. You know, you want to go to India? Sure. You know, we're going to go <laughs> on our, we're going to go do an orange peel. You ever seen those orange peel floors? Uh-uh. I'm oh saying my that. God. It's the worst kind of floor. It's, um, it looks like an orange peel, you know, like it's all bumpy and ridgy. Uh-huh. And it's, I don't even know why they have that floor because it's not particularly soft. It's VTC. It's not like a cork floor where you want to have some give to it or anything like that. This is just a floor that somebody decided to be a pain in the butt because when you <laughs> wax it and you try to strip it, no. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible because it's all grooved. It's all yeah. like that little – it literally looks like an orange peel. So you think you got it up, you still got a bunch of shiny spots. Still have, yeah. <laughs> you know, you vacuum it all up, you, it dries, and you look at it like, son of a God. <laughs> all the corners and edges are still crap. I mean, it just, I mean, I'm over there like, can we just sand it? Can we sand down the orange peel marking? <laughs> Make it a smooth surface. Make it smooth. <laughs> yeah, but so we had a couple of buildings that had flooring like that. And it'd be the call would come out like, hey, we need some volunteers to come work, uh, you know, Monday night doing this floor. And we'd all, it'd be quick, come apparent, you know. It's the orange peel floor. And it, people be like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> I was like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. It didn't take me long before I got noticed and recognized for being the yes guy and got promoted very quickly after that. Well, you seen an opportunity. You took advantage of it mm-hmm. and you excelled from it. So mm-hmm. that's what it's all about. Yeah. Saying yes, willing to move. I would do anything. Like I'll go anywhere to be the vice president. I'll go anywhere to be a director. I'll go anywhere to be CEO. Well, I care. You never know. How many times those chances gonna come around? A lot of people don't look at that also. So, well, let me ask you this: How you're you're where are you now? Right, you're in Mississippi. No, I'm in West Virginia. Oh my gosh, you're in West Virginia. Thank God. Do you have family in Mississippi right now? Yeah, I have family in Mississippi. How are they faring? Is everything going okay? Yeah, they're okay. I've been checking on them. Oh, good. I was looking at a map this morning. You know, they showed the highlight of where the hurricane's coming through. Right. And I thought. Well, that's a lot of cleanup that needs to get done. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of business right there. And I think if there's one call to action that I think is, you know, like you're saying, like, you got to be patient. You got to, you know, find your yeah. way or whatever. I'm going to tell you right now, there are thousands, and I'm not using that number lightly. There are thousands of cleaning companies, thousands yeah. of commercial cleaning companies who are looking for people who show up, who dress professionally, who speak professionally who work hard, who take pride in their work, who can, are trustworthy. I mean, there are thousands of commercial cleaning companies that are looking for guys and girls that fit that billet. Thousands. Yeah. So if you can, if there's no opportunity in your current company, with peace and love, there's opportunity everywhere. Seventh largest industry in the world. There's no shortage of opportunity for us. None. Right. That's what's so great about this company, this industry. Yeah. Low entry. Right. So you don't have to have a lot of skills to get in yep. and working hard, showing up on time. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Right. 
Working right. hard, showing up on time, <laughs> makes up that closes a huge gap between you and the top guy yeah. or the top girl. Separate huge gap stuff from everybody else. Huge gap. I mean, that's it's so easy to get ahead in the. It's probably just as easy to get ahead in any business. Probably is. Maybe not any actual. You know, like it's not easy to right. get ahead in my company. All right, so maybe not your company, but it's. But and then, it may not like being consistent, staying available. Making sure you do the right things, you can get where you need to get to. Showing up on time, doing the job you are being paid and asked to do. Right. If you do those two things, you yeah, show man. up on time and you do what you're being asked to do, you just, I mean, you just eliminate, you just cut the field in half. Yeah. Instead of you and 50 other people going for the job, it's now you and 25 other people going for the job. You just cut it in half. You didn't get any more education. You didn't get any smart. You didn't read another book. You didn't write anything. You simply showed up and did you utilize the necessary tools you had to get to where you need to get to. It's that easy. Yeah. Well, it's kind of hard nowadays, but it's that easy, actually. <laughs> but it's kind of hard because people don't want to utilize those tools. So No, I mean, it, but my point is, is that you found it easy to do. You find oh, yeah, it easy yeah. to do. Well, it comes with discipline. You got to be willing to discipline yourself. I find it easy to do. And by the way, that's what I was saying about that guy that I was working for that hated me, or at least I thought he hated me. But <laughs> turns out he did me the largest favor in the universe. And that is he taught me how to be a good worker. He yeah. taught me the value. He put the fear of God in me. You know, you be late for him and he won't just fire you. He'll beat you up on the way of fire. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's really what I felt like. I thought like, I wasn't just going to let him down. I was going to have a sore ass, you know? <laughs> <laughs> It's not going to be good for me. Yeah, flashback moment. <laughs> flashback, no question. Super great. Super great. I'm super excited to meet you and now to be able to call you a friend. I'm very excited. I'm excited to hear where you're going to go next. I Very impressive. And Thank you. You weren't even the one who reached out to me. I can't remember who reached out to me. Somebody said, you need to have Jonathan Lane on the show. You need to, I was like, anytime somebody endorses another person, I'm like, yes, right. a million percent I do. And so that's really awesome. Good for you. Yeah. I met a lot of great people uh, on my journey. So I'm very thankful and very appreciative of them. Yeah. Well, I'm very happy of them too, because they turned me on to you. They they said, you got to have this guy on the show. So I'm very excited that I got to meet you and have you on. Same here. Been a great pleasure being here. Yeah. And, you know, sounds like you grew up in a single family home or single mom home. And yeah traveling a little bit and spending some time with mom working in hospitals, doing some cleaning, running a buffer at the age of 16, which is more impressive than, you know, <laughs> and then, you know, working your way up and then just getting from one job and learning how to go through the ranks at Tyson and then starting to do a second job on top of that, just to be able to provide for your family. And it's so, your story is so impressive. Thank you. Very impressive. So many people would have already been like, oh, this is all I have. I can only do this, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't sound like you've ever accepted that notion for one bit. No, I always like to challenge myself. Yeah. I want to defeat itself, defeat. So you said it, my friend. You said it. I'm very, very impressed. So it's really great. And I'm very happy that I got to meet you, like I said. But that's it. The time is up for us. All right. Well, Did you have a good again, time? I had a great time. A lot of good laughs. Yeah, yeah, a million percent. I had a great time as well, and I appreciate you and 
Everybody out there listening in, tuning into the Housekeepers Podcast, thank you for listening. Make sure you are subscribing and sharing and telling everybody about how fantastic Mr. Jonathan Lane is. And of course, if HHS uh, has an opening for <laughs> or anybody else has an hey, opening. Hey, we always look for great people. Always look for great people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jonathan's hiring and he's looking for the next step up. No, uh, <laughs> I'm going to start collecting resumes. <laughs> Actually, how do people, are you currently hiring, right? So how do people get a hold of you there? Yeah, well, we're always hiring. You can go to hhs1.com and we're always the number one managers. or the word one, hhs the number one, hhs1.com. One.com. Okay. Yeah. We always look for great managers and great team members to join. Yeah. Great team awesome. to be a part of. You can learn a lot, get to see a lot. Yeah, a million percent. I got to say that before we go, when I first started working in healthcare, I started on my own. I like the healthcare facility hired me to be the executive housekeeper. Okay. And I really thought it was going to be a walk in the park. Like, it's going to be this the easiest thing ever. And not only was it not easy, but I sucked at it because I knew <laughs> so little. Well, I came from the commercial cleaning side, yeah. but I didn't know anything about healthcare cleaning, which is just a simple, different animal. You know, commercial cleaning, you show up, nobody's there. Right. You know, healthcare cleaning, everybody's still there. Like, what are you still doing here? You know, <laughs> I got to work yeah, with you here. <laughs> and I got picked up by a commercial, a, a contract cleaning company like HHS, and they cleaned healthcare. And they gave me not only the opportunity of a lifetime, but the education of a lifetime. They really showed me everything I needed to know about what it's like to really work smart and clean smart and, you know, all the right. tools it takes. So, and I know HHS is very much like that other company. So it's yeah. really a great place to go. And you've been there, would you say like 14 years, years at, the, at this point? No, 11 years. 11 years. Yeah. 11 years. 11 years. That says a lot. Yeah, it says a lot. You look at the longevity of their upper management team, and you can tell an awful lot about a company. Oh yeah, a lot about a company. Very strong structure. Yeah, that's super great. All right, that's it for us here at the Housekeepers Podcast. Jonathan, you don't go anywhere. Everybody else, I will see you all later. That's it, the Housekeepers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. Keep in mind, the best way to ensure that you never miss an episode of the Housekeepers Podcast is by subscribing to the show and following us on social media. For those of you who are more visually stimulated, you can always watch us record the show live each week on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. In fact, we post all of our videos on YouTube, so make sure you are subscribing to our YouTube channel. If you love the show and you want to help us out, please consider writing a review and sharing the show with all your friends and families and colleagues. And if you are looking for more information about today's guest, all of their contact information and the links to their websites are in the show's notes. That's it. Until next time, this has been the cleanest hour in podcasting. I am Ralph Peterson, and I'll see you later. <laughs>